You know, we are closing out a series today called Without Apology. We've walked through a number of different questions, key ways of thinking through and talking about the very word of God. Just, just what's going on and who is he and, and what's he doing, our God, with this word? You know, we talk about the fact that the Bible is to be trusted. You know, we looked at that the first week. We, we talked about the fact that we can literally be applying this to our lives in ways that will absolutely guarantee change for a lifetime. God at work in us. That's an opportunity we have. That's a privilege we have as we go after him. Today we're looking at the last question, which is, well, what's my responsibility with the word? We started last week with what's my responsibility. And uh, we went through a passage that talked about the fact that we need to be reading and, and we need to be learning it. We need to be memorizing it. That we need to be preaching it. That the word of God literally needs to be a part of our daily diet. That was part of our responsibility last week. This week, we're going to be looking at some do's and don'ts with Scripture. You know, we have Paul writing a letter to Timothy. In fact, we're in 2 Timothy, so it's his second letter. And it's kind of a, some of the things we're looking at today, he had already said in 1 Timothy. So we felt it important enough that he had to repeat, making sure that you and I get this down, making sure that Timothy and his followers got this down. It's important that we understand what we do and what we don't do with words. Words. I mean, we communicate with those. We find them rather important, don't we? I mean, have you ever had one of those moments where you're saying something to someone and you get done talking and they repeat back to you somehow what they thought you just asked or said and they're completely off? Have you ever had one of those? It's just me. Have you ever had one of those? Okay. You get in those moments where you're trying to communicate with words and you find them very important and they don't find them as important, and they miss the main point. Today we're being challenged to watch out for words and the importance of those words. So let's just start out. We're going to have the ushers coming forward with Bibles in their hands. Let's dive into 2 Timothy 2, 14 to 19. The ushers have Bibles in their hands, so just raise your hand if you need a Bible. We'll get one to you. We're going to be in 2 Timothy 2, 14 to 19, and we're simply answering the question, so what is my responsibility? What are some do's and don'ts with the word for me? Okay, let's start in verse 14. It says, Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Our first step, our first point, do not quarrel over words. Do not quarrel over words. Paul starts out with that phrase in verse 14. He says, Remind them of these things. Remind. Think of what that word means. Re, like, do it again. And mind. Get them thinking about it again. Get it in their head. Remind them. Get this back in their brain. May they, They've known about it. Let's make sure they really think about it again and have it at the forefront of their minds. Remind them of these things. Well, what things? Well, definitely the whole of the chapters before it, all the stuff that was being challenged there, is being implied, a little bit of what came right before it there, but also a little bit about what's going to come. It's like, hey, the stuff we've been talking about and probably even the stuff we're going to be talking about, make sure that they know this and they have this on the forefront of their head. Remind them of these things and charge them before God. Does that phrase sound familiar to you? Charge them before God. Didn't we just hear that last week? When we were looking in 
2 Timothy chapter 4, two chapters later, and he's talking about preaching the word. And he's saying, charge them before, and then he goes through a description of God, the one who judges the living and the dead. And he's talking about the fact that you need to be challenging them, Timothy. Charge them. That's a powerful word, isn't it? It's, you know, something we don't use very often, really, that word. I mean, do you use it at work? You come in and you're like, did you get it accomplished? Did you make sure they know what they're doing? Yes, I charged them to do this, right? We don't, we don't talk that way. But what the word literally means is challenge them. Make sure they understand that it is absolutely their responsibility. Make sure they know that you, by God, have been asked to challenge them. This is God's challenge to them. Charge them before God. God is my witness. You know, the holy king of the universe, the one who's created everything, the one whom we bow to, he's my witness that I'm challenging you with the following. Charge them before God not to quarrel about words. Not to quarrel about words. Now, let me just ask you a question. Does it feel at first like the teeter-totter is a little imbalanced? Like this big, charge them before God. Give, I'm, bring the heat, Tim. I want you really going after this, right? No quarreling. Do you know what I'm saying? It kind of sounds like you're really bringing a lot of heat to maybe not such a big deal. What's the big deal about the quarreling about words? I mean, I appreciate that it's not correct and you know all sin is black before god i know all the church statements okay like i get it but really at the same time quarreling is the thing you want to charge them with not something bigger and orthodox truth and really you're going to charge them with that why would you do that good question what's it say right after it which does no good in fact it ruins the hearer. You want to know why I'm charging you to do this? Because in the midst of that church life, no good will come of it. Because in the midst of the people hearing, they will literally be made worse for it. It ruins you and me. That's why he's bringing such heat to it. You and me destroyed as we hear the going on. Okay, so let's go back a little bit and let's get a little bit clear here. What does quarreling about words mean? It's a good question, right? You know, is it uh, only the big stuff or is it only the little stuff or what does it have to do with? Well, just so you know, in the Greek, that word, quarreling over words, that was one word, <clears throat> one word. It literally said word battling. That's kind of what it meant, word fighting. It was going head to head only about words. Really, in the end, it was kind of saying... What's most important to me is victory. I will win. And I am going to use anything I can and say anything I can in any way that I can in order to get you to acquiesce to the fact that I am awesome. Word battling, right? It's the, I'm going to fight you. And I'm going to win. And if I have to start bringing in outside statements and if I have to twist the truth a little bit and if I have to, whatever I have to do, my words will, in the end, be victorious. Have you ever met somebody like that? Have you ever met somebody like that? Yes. Is it you? <laughs> right? Like all of us, at one time or another, find ourselves in this spot where we really kind of just want to win. And we want to make our point clear. And we have to be careful that each one of us gets in this spot 
how do we handle it? He charges us to not quarrel over words. To make sure that we are literally not demanding that it's my way or the highway. But we're trying to learn as we go. Okay? That's great. I understand, Tim. I appreciate it. Can we move on? I'm getting uncomfortable with this topic. Right? All right. So let me just ask you this. How do we know if we're quarreling over words or if we literally need to be engaging in that conversation? How do we know? Okay? So three questions you can ask yourself to know if you're just becoming a word battler. All right? First question. What? What are we supposed to be even talking about and not talking about? What? I mean, here's a couple little guidelines to the what question. Uh, is it absolute orthodox doctrine that you're having some issues with? Somebody's walked into the church and they're like, they're continuing to talk. Maybe it's in the midst of a small group and they're bringing out the fact that they clearly do not believe Jesus. I don't believe he's God. Well, I don't want to battle over words. So I'm just going to let that one go. Like, is that what we're supposed to do? Right? No, right? Please somebody say no to me, right? I've heard a little bit. I thank you, Fred. No is right, okay? So we need to be speaking up to some non-orthodox truth, right? And when stuff's coming out, we got to be careful with it. It's not, you know, I don't believe Jesus is God. You're so wrong! Like, right? It's not like that. It's not like jumping into the point where they're going, oh my word, okay, fine. But it is stepping in and saying, why did you just say what you're saying? Where are you getting that from? What if I could show you scripture that shows that's not true? Are you ready to back off of that position? Are you hearing what I'm doing? I'm asking them questions and leading them along the way, but I am absolutely not letting them sit where they're sitting, right? We do need to step up to some things. And when orthodox truth is being challenged, you know, maybe it's a heaven and hell question. Is there hell? No, I don't think there is a hell. Well, we need to talk about that. Or, or maybe it's the word of God. Is, it's a nice read, but I don't know about beyond that. It's not the inerrant word of God given to us as a special revealing of him to change us from the inside out. Let's talk about that. That those are okay to be challenging and talking through. Again, remember Galatians 6.1. Gently, patiently, carefully. But yes, talking it through. Maybe another what is there just in raw sin. You know, it's just raw gossip. Did you hear what so-and-so did? Did you hear the destruction that's going on in this family with da 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 da, -da, -da right? And all of a sudden the those dainty little morsels of tastiness are handed out for us to, right? It's not wrong to say, you know, James McDonald phrase, right? Uh, I'm dead to that, right? Like, we're not listening to that. Gossip not going on here. Come on, just stop. So then, okay, so here's the church way to gossip, right? Let's pray for so-and-so, right? So let's be careful. Like, in the name of prayer, more gossip is going on than ever before, okay? Be very cautious Make sure you are literally engaging in a, in a willing desire to be a part of stepping in and seeing change there or be very cautious about sharing any information. So maybe we're stepping in and we're literally challenging a sin like gossip. That's okay. Uh, maybe we're actually challenging something that would cause sin. You know, somebody says, for example, divorce, yeah, whatever, just do whatever you need to. If it feels good, do it, right? And so it's not orthodox truth, you know, but at the same time, boy, that's really off and they could cause great grief and there is very biblical guidance into marriage 
and the purpose of marriage and the hope of marriage and the eternity of marriage. It's meant for life and let's be very careful about the positions of divorce and are there reasons for divorce? Well, there's two and no more and let's talk that through and, right? Being careful as we chat with someone to help them because maybe sin is imminent in what they're doing. And then there's just, I just want to let you know how much I know, right? Uh, I just wanted to confront you because now I can tell you that I know this and you don't. And I think it's important because, well, because frankly, I'm, I know it and you don't. And that's why it's important. And it's not necessarily sin or leading you to sin. It's not unorthodox truth. It's not wrong doctrine. It's just, well, quite frankly, it's my chance of standing up a little bit on a soapbox. That's when we don't go on it. Okay? Be very careful that you're not just getting into words all over the place that just lift you up. And I got to tell you, the heart is deceitful, right? So you're measuring yourself and you're like, no, I really do care about them. And then it ends up being all about me anyway. Really be careful. May even want to turn to a person next to you and go, does it kind of seem like I'm coming off like it's all about me? And then they're like, kind of, yeah. I didn't know how to tell you, but shh, right? Those are good moments to learn to go, okay, I'm not going to talk about it. Be careful about the word battling, okay? All right, enough said there. That's the what. Why? Here's the second question. Second question you need to ask. So uh, is it kind of about showing me off or is it about God being glorified? What's my real motive here? Why am I approaching this person? Let's make sure it's about God being glorified, okay? So if you've got the right what and you've got the right why, now it's time to engage. Do you have the right how? The how. Come gently and humbly. You'd be amazed at the power of a question to ask and not tell. To hear and see where they're at. Maybe you even learn something as a new angle to thinking about it, or maybe you just learn of a better way to talk with them, but the how is everything. Gently, humbly, prayerfully, carefully coming to them. You're not going to have the word word battling attached to any of that. Okay? Does that make sense? So we're avoiding the word battling. It's not running forth with a short sword drawn and we're going to draw blood and we're going to bash them and all in the name of that nasty, however many letter word it is, truth. Right? Who wants to tell me how many letters it is? But truth, where we end up going in the name of truth, I'm willing to hurt anyone. Shame on us. We don't hurt because of truth. Now, I want to be careful when I say that. I'm going to bound it a little bit, okay? So us challenging someone to begin to move towards where God wants them and then saying, that hurt me, is not the same thing, okay? We're talking about, I drew blood and it was my approach to you and my lack of respect of you, it was my dissing on you that drew the blood, shame on me, okay? I don't like what I heard and I don't want to have to change. Oh, shame on you, right? That one you have to own. So that's how we handle truth, with gentleness and respect with a compassion for where they're at and saying, hey, I got my junk I need to be working on too. I'm not going to come down oh so blistering on you because I'm also working on me, but at the same time, we do both need to be working on our stuff, stepping it up together. That's what it's about, a balance in the challenge. It's not, so don't ever say anything to anyone about anything. That's not it. It is just be reasonable in how you approach it. The what, the why, and the how, okay? Does that make sense? Got to make sure we got that. Imagine, if you will, I'm walking through Texas Roadhouse a couple weeks back. I don't know when it was. 
yeah, a couple weeks, whatever it was. And as we're walking along through Texas Roadhouse, we're getting ready to sit down for an unbelievable dinner. You know what I'm talking about? Like, we love going there for the, we do this every, what, six months or something. We go there for a nice filet and a, the steak on the side, or the uh, salad on the side. And as we're walking past this, yeah, steak on the side, that'd be good, right? <laughs> That's not a bad meal. So we're, we're walking past this table, and this little three-year-old kid reaches out and grabs the sabers that they give you in those napkins. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those knives they give you at Texas Roadhouse are like, you literally hear them, you're shing. Those things are huge, man. And this little three-year-old kid reaches out, grabs that thing. My heart goes, like it just drops. And I begin to, I'm going, ah, I'm starting to reach over. My wife is ahead of me. She's moving on. I'm like, oh, wait. And the grandpa that's sitting next to him goes, no, and grabs the hands as fast as he can and shakes the hands until the knife drops, right? (laughs) Ding. And he goes, no. We don't play with that. And the kid just, you know, tears start coming to his eyes, right? And he sets the knife away, and it's like, too bad that you're crying. We're not going to play with that, right? I move on about two tables, and there's another little child there. And that child is reaching out, not for the saber. This one's just reaching out for the napkin, okay? And he's already got other things, and mom just kind of takes the napkin and pulls it aside and says, no, no, hon, and just sets it aside. And then another couple of tables, and there's literally another kid, and that, that kid's just sitting there, and they're happy, and, and so they're not saying anything, Right? Think of those three examples when it comes to talking to people. When do we bring the heat with immediacy? When the saber is picked up. Do you know what I'm saying? When somebody's going to be hurt, get in there and get in there with quickness. What we're not doing is going, hey, Johnny, just a suggestion to you. You might not want to play with, you know, and they're like, I mean, he was going to suck on that knife, man. Can you imagine? Don't do that. Oh, see, it's cutting you. You don't want to right? Grab the hands and stop it, right? And so there is a swiftness and immediacy to some things. And then, you know, sometimes you're just playing with the napkin and, you know, that's maybe not the best thing. And we have a little chit chat and we talk it out and we bring it aside. And then other times you don't need to say a thing. Figure out where you're at when you're looking at the circumstance. What level of aggressiveness and how do you need to share and make sure that it's warranted based on what's going on, okay? So, When we say, do not have the word battling, that's what we're talking about. Do you have a situation going on in your life right now where you're like, man, I need to be talking to him and I haven't been sure how to. So which level is it? Which crisis level is it? And do we need to be weighing in pretty quickly? Do you need to be praying about it and talking about what needs to be said? Come up and talk to me afterwards or talk to one of the pastors and let's get a game plan going so you know right where you're going and when you're going. And let's make sure that you're going with the correct level of swiftness and concern for what's being said. Okay? Do not quarrel over words, but make sure the words are still held up as important. All right. That's the first point. Second point. What is our responsibility with the word? Rightly apply God's word. Rightly apply God's word. Notice what it says in verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Do your best to present yourself. You know, the King James says, study to show yourself approved, right? And so everybody thinks, well, I should pick it up and just read it and know it better. Well, that would not be what that word means. And 
What it really means is really put your effort out. Practice well. The NIV says work hard at. It it means put some effort forth to make sure the following occurs. Okay? That's our goal. Do your best for what? Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. To present yourself to God as one approved. Everybody close your eyes for a second. Don't fall asleep on me. You ready? Eyes closed. Imagine the king of kings before you. I'm not sure what that picture looks like. You come up with that picture. You ready? The king of kings, his throne, his room, his empire. You're standing before him. And the single question is, how'd you do? May we stand before him and be able to say, when I knew I needed to let go, I gave it all I had to try to let go. When I wanted to run towards something, I made sure it was something you wanted me in. God, I did my best for you. I needed to grow. It wasn't perfect. But every day I wanted to see change in my life so that you could be more glorified in me. May we literally see that image as we stand before him. Okay, you can open your eyes. Do your best to present yourself as approved before God. A worker that does not need to be ashamed. Does not need to be ashamed. What does that word shame mean? Okay, a little biblical counseling moment for you here. The difference between guilt and shame. You ready? Okay, so guilt. That's a position you're in. If you did it wrong, you are guilty. Okay? Guilt is a position. And we talk about it as a feeling, right? We say, oh, I feel guilty. It's not really accurate, okay? Guilt is actually a position you stand in judiciously. Justice says guilty or not guilty, okay? It's not a feeling, it's a position. Now, what comes with that position is feelings of shame or not feeling shame, okay? And this shame that we might feel is the, I shouldn't be in this position, Why did I do this? I should not have done the following things and I left myself in a very bad spot before God. A feeling of shame is bad choice on my part. God not glorified. I'm disappointed in myself. I wish it wasn't like this. Okay? Shame is the feelings that come with guilt. And notice it says, a worker that does not need to be ashamed. You don't need to have those feelings that come with saying, oh, what was I thinking about? Well, how do we avoid those feelings? Well, A, we can avoid doing the wrong thing, right? Well, that's kind of logical, obvious. Like, maybe we didn't even do anything wrong. Good. So all those who are perfect, raise your hand. Good. So we understand ourselves. So now that we're not perfect, right? And we're like, okay, but I make mistakes. Now what? Confession. And Lord, please forgive me. And God, I've been standing in a wrong spot before you and I want to stand in the right spot and it needs to be changed. And I mean now, please forgive me for where I've been. I'm sorry. I was wrong when I fill in the blank. And this restoring of the relationship is the replacement for shame. Shame is when we stand on our own and you're forgiven as when we stand on him. Amen? That's what we're talking about. How do we stand not ashamed? It's the constant bringing up of, 
Lord, what needs to be cleared before you? I just want to be running hard with you. May you be honored and glorified in my life. May you be celebrated like never before. Please forgive me when that needs to go on. Okay? Rightly handling the word of truth is the next phrase. We literally can get there by rightly handling the word of truth. The steps in the process along the way are let the word be dominant in your life. May God's truth literally change your life. Rightly handling. So what's the word rightly mean? You know, correctly. Uh, to make sure you're doing it accurately and appropriately within the context of what's being said there. Rightly handling. In other words, I've learned it. I know it. I can quote it. But now I'm also applying it into my life. Handling the word of truth. It doesn't mean handling it. Taking it off the bookshelf, opening it up, closing it, and putting it back. That's not what handling the Bible means. Okay, Handling means taking it off the bookshelf, opening it, reading and seeing something that is needing to be changed in your life, closing that down, writing down the challenge you took for the day and the Lord, here's my prayer for and please forgive me for when I was not in this spot and God, may the word literally be a mirror showing me what I need to fix in me. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, how many times do we walk up in front of a mirror and just go, perfect, and we walk on? (laughs) Do we do that? But we seem to try to do that with the Bible all the time, right? Like our daily adventure to the mirror is going, I love me. Next. Is that where we're supposed to be? Aren't we really supposed to be going in and saying, "Uh, uh uh-oh, what was that there? Okay, there. Oh, I buttoned it all wrong. Good thing I looked in the mirror, right? We're supposed to be saying, Lord, take a look at me and help me to take a look at me. And may I literally see what needs to be changed rightly handling the word of truth. The word of what? The word of what? Truth. Truth. God's word literally changing you as you get insight to his character and as you get insight to your character and where the two match and where the two don't match. And Lord, may they come in alignment together. Rightly handling the word of truth. You know, we, uh, we quote that phrase very quickly and we move on. I mean, James 1.22 is put, be doers of the word and not hearers only, right? Make sure that you know it, you can quote it, and you're doing it, right? You know, uh, often we can get ourselves caught into the knowing and showing off the knowing, talking to people about the things we know and communicating to others the things we know they need to fix in them. We're quick to fix others. Uh, We keep forgetting we need to be fixed. And there's celebration over that. You know, we we really get into a a confusion over what the Bible is supposed to be for. Make sure that we rightly apply the word of truth. Make sure that we really grasp that this is about God changing our lives daily. Lord, I'm coming expectantly. I want to meet you here. Rock my world. This past week, uh, we had a little bit of snow. Did you notice that? Yeah. And uh, so schools were shut down for three days, some even for four. And, 
and uh, we were out on a Tuesday and we were just watching the snow come down and the wind was blowing so hard it was the snow wasn't really coming down it was going across at, by our house you know it was directly horizontally blowing at 30 and 40 miles an hour and we're watching that come down and build up drifts and I'm looking out there and so you know I said, I'm going to learn. So I open up my snow thrower thing, and I'm reading through the snow thrower manual about all of how it works, and it's two-stage, and the first stage draws it up, and the second stage throws it out, and you can redirect, and hamana, hamana, and read a little bit about snow, and, you know, snow, and, and when it gets below such and such a temperature, the moisture literally can lock in and become ice, so you want to make sure you throw it before it gets to, and I'm reading, and I'm studying, and, I'm, and then I go back out, and I look, and my driveway still had snow in it, because you have to go throw it. You can't read about it and just have it be done, right? So how many of you actually just read a manual and your driveway's cleared? If you raise your hand, you have really nice neighbors, right? <laughs> That's right. That's the only way it works. Is somebody's doing the work for you if you're not doing it. And that's a problem because when it comes to our walk, it literally is about, Lord, what are you doing in my life and what do you want me to apply what do you want me to do about this? Not just reading and knowing, but now doing along the way. May I literally be applying your word to my life. A couple of quotes about application here. This is from Francis Bacon. He says, it's not what men eat, but what they digest that makes them grow. It's not what we gain, but what we save that makes us rich. It's not what we read, but what we remember that makes us learned. It's not what we preach, but what we practice that makes us true followers. Let that settle. We need to make sure that it's more than a big fat head game. That the reason we get into the word isn't just so we can know a lot of stuff and sound very godly when we pray. It's that we might actually reflect his glory more tomorrow. Because we're transformed inside to out. Rightly apply the word of God. It's our number one to-do list. So first, make sure you don't quarrel over words. Second, make sure you rightly apply the words. And third, avoid the ungodly views and discussions that might be going on around you. Avoid the ungodly views and discussions. Notice what he says here in verse 16. He says, but avoid irreverent babble is what it says in the ESV, okay? Irreverent babble. So let's just talk about that for a second. Irreverent, like this does not honor God. Irreverent. Babble. Empty chatter is what the word literally means in the original language. Empty talk. It's got nothing of value in it. And it's not even honoring to God. So not honoring empty talk going on, okay? What kind of examples might that be? Glad you asked. It's coming up in just a second. It says, avoid this irreverent babble. Avoid. So think about what the word avoid means. Avoid. It doesn't mean like, I'm going to come up and I'm going to stand as close as I possibly can and, and see if I can just maybe stand on the other side of it just real close. This is not avoiding, okay? Avoid is kind of like, I'm not going over there. I'm just telling you that, right? I'm going to stay away. I'm not staying away from my wife, by the way. She's a metaphor right now, okay? So Avoid. It means staying away from. It means being clearly distant from. Make sure you're not participating in. Be far from this. Avoid irreverent babble. For it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. Why is it bad? Because you and I are headed 
for actually being torn down if we hang around with it. Now, he actually uses a, a sarcastic phrase here. The phrase, it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. In the original language, it actually means it will produce. It will be wonderfully productive for. The progress will be found in no progress but reversal. Are you hearing it? He starts to talk about it like this big positive. He uses this really flamboyant word that seems to imply great strides forward. You're going to see huge strides in the area of ungodliness. Are you hearing it? That's the sarcasm going on there. And he kind of gets lost as the translation comes across. But the reality is he's saying you don't want any piece of this. It, It brings nothing that you'd want in your lives. Stay away from it. Verse 17. And their talk will spread like gangrene, like gangrene. This is the nasty that ends up on your flesh, that ends up affecting the flesh next to it, and next to it, and next to it, and it starts growing and taking over, right? And their number one fix for gangrene was amputation. That was their number one fix, right? So he's literally bringing up a metaphor that says, you be careful, the best move here is full avoidance cut it off that's what we need to be careful of is that we are literally managing our talk in a way that does not become the irreverent babble the gangrene the leading to ungodliness that can tear up a church or a home or a small group or a group of friends well what are some examples of irreverent babble well here's one among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have swerved from the truth. They used to have the truth, now not so much. They swerved from it. They're off of it. They swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. Are you hearing it? The resurrection has already happened. That was their irreverent babble. They literally were taking orthodox truth about the trusting life eternal in our God and saying, eh, you missed it. I'm just telling you, that ship sailed. I'm just letting you know, that train left the station. Whatever metaphor you want to use, right? The bottom line is, that's not available anymore. That's what they were hearing. And these people were listening to Hymenaeus and Philetus, who got their names in the Bible. Not really for the right way, right? I mean, what a bummer. You finally get your name up in lights. And it's a complete recollection of how you've trashed people and directed them the wrong way. Don't be like those guys, okay? May we never have our name in this kind of list, amen? That's what he's saying. Make sure you don't have your name ready to be put up in a list because you're challenging people, not with what you see in the word, but made up self-doctrine. Things that are tearing down the very core infrastructure of Christianity, of loving God of a hope in him, of a merciful savior, of a returning almighty king who will reign for all eternity and of life with him eternal. That's what they were questioning. Don't be getting there. Make sure that your interaction with those around you is taking the very word of truth and raising it up to those to be changed for the good. The challenge here was literally impacting them to the negative. It was blowing them up. They really got rattled. How do you know? Because it says right after it, they are upsetting the faith of some. 
Most were able to question it and go back to the word and find truth in the scriptures and find truth in what was said from the apostolic leadership and go, you're all wet. You don't know what you're talking about. You got to stop challenging that way, man. Listen to this. But a few didn't know how to do that. They bought in hook, line and sinker and went down hard. It says their faith was upset. They literally had their foundation shook. They had no stability anymore. If there's no future with God, if there's no life in him, if there's no resurrection and life eternal, then where are my loved ones and where am I heading and what good is this whole thing? And I guess I'll just go for the me world then. And they tailed off. That's why their faith was getting rattled. So Paul says in verse 19, just make sure you understand what the actual foundations need to be set on. Here's the foundation. It says that this is the seal we bear, the firm foundation that we stand on from God. The Lord knows those who are his, point number one. And point number two, let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. The Lord knows those who are his. God's taking care of us. Don't you worry. He hasn't separated from us even in the least. And we serve the almighty, merciful, loving Savior of the universe. And he will be reaching into your life. He knows you. He knows you well. Your God loves you with all he's got. And number two, you know this. You have a job of reflecting his awesomeness in your life. Depart from the junk. You know what another name for iniquity could be? The stuff that doesn't match God's character. You make sure that the stuff that isn't like him isn't a part of your life. Separate from that and run hard after him. Him loving us with all he's got, us loving him with all we've got. That's the firm foundation of a walk with him. When we talk about a right responsibility, we talk about following the word of God, letting it impact us on a day-by-day -day basis. May God literally shake my core so that I know exactly where I need to be with you tomorrow, Lord. I want every morning to be finding you in this word and to be finding you passionately, persistently available to me. May I literally say, wow, my God loves me with all he's got. I will depart from iniquity and run after him with all I've got. That's our firm foundation as we have rightly apply the word of God. My request to you is this. Make sure you do that with his power. Don't just muscle it. We've talked a lot about legalism and we've talked a lot about its impacts. We talked about growing right, that series back in September, October. And, and it's literally standing in the very presence of God, completely clear of any me issues, no sin. Lord, please help me to confess what needs to be confessed. May I remove it, no veil, you just pouring over me, empowering me, my loving God, and I'm basking in your glory. Change me, Lord. And now, may I run hard towards your character and away from the world. That's what it looks like. Do it empowered by him. You will find victory like you've never found before. Do it empowered by him. You will find victory like never before. You will find satisfaction like never before. Whatever brick wall you've been running up against that is your stopping point, it's nothing when you confessed 
You're laying before him everything you have. You are basking in his glory. You are letting him show you through his word what needs to change. And you are saying, transform me, God, from the inside out. May I be transformed. And then run hard after your Savior. That's the job of the word in our lives. That's our responsibility. Do me this. Close your Bibles up. Take it in one hand and hold it up. Just hold up your Bible. Here's the deal. Just hold up your Bible. Take a look around. We're being led by the God of the universe. This is his word. May we simply say that to him. God, thank you for your word. You ready? God, thank you for your word. Lead me. Say it with me. Lead me. God, thank you for your word. Say it with me. God, thank you for your word. Lead me. That's what it's all about. God, thank you for your word. Lead me. May we rightly apply his word to our lives. You will never be more satisfied in your life. Let's pray.